welcome back. Hello. Or welcome. Welcome. To the first episode. Ever. Of Pursuit of Unhappiness. I'm sitting across from my lovely friend, Natalie Baldwin. Hello. And my other lovely friend, Shannon Kenyon. So And <laughs> Natalie basically created a whole seance of sorts set up that I feel like is really setting the stage for how this podcast is going to go. Uh, we have flowers, we have candles, we have skulls, I and we have a flowers. naked cat. Whole ass cat. skulls and a naked cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. How can things not go right? That's I mean... Trying to eat the flowers. Don't do that. Yeah, we're... <laughs> We're going in a good direction. I, I, I like it. You know, I feel like let's just start by saying that I'm in Oregon right now and I'm Ooh. very excited. And this whole trip has like, I kind of already kind of knew in the back of my mind that it was going to be like a restorative like experience because I was so excited to see people I cared about and love. And not that I don't experience that in Pittsburgh. I should probably <laughs> say that because it sounds weird to me. But, yeah, hey, well, but you also- know, <laughs> I get to be on nature. I get to be around beautiful people who have beautiful thoughts and i love it and what a fucking year what a fucking year yeah so um it's a nice time to have some restoration and space i mean compared to pittsburgh oregon has much more refreshing air let's be clear on that we were walking today (laughs) on our hike and this is so cute Sorry, um, no one can see this, but Lestat is now just using Shannon as a scratching post. Lestat is the oh. vampire naked cat. That's vampire all right, I'll cat. allow it. You're adorable, <laughs> my God, I love you. Anyways, um, what was I saying? Yeah, no, we were commenting on our hike today that I was like, oh, the air smells so great. It smells amazing. <laughs> oh. Every time I get out hiking, I'm like, oh. I think I oftentimes, you know, we live in Pennsylvania and we have beautiful state parks all of that mm-hmm. bullshit but like nothing compares out here so i know i need to stop gushing over how much i love oregon because i think it's just, the pacific northwest is just it's stunning yeah, yeah. i mean i love ohio place. pile love it love it to death that's one of my favorite state parks in Pennsylvania. love that but, john but love that john <laughs> but <laughs> i mean yeah it's pretty, pretty nice out here cool <laughs> so. and um so to dive in natalie Natalie Baldwin. Natalie yes. Rose Baldwin. Yes. So I want to start this off. And from your perspective, I like, so I feel like how we met was just so fun in a way and unexpected that from your perspective, I want to, I want to hear like, how did, how did we meet? Have you guys ever heard of online dating? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that, but it wasn't too much different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meg and I started brewing during an era where there weren't that many female brewers. There was definitely the people who, sorry if you hear scuffing, there's just dogs partying. Um, But when Meg and I started brewing, there weren't that many women in the industry other than like the OG people who really just plowed the way for us to even have a place to exist. Yeah. And yeah, when, when we entered the industry, it was a really interesting time because all the other women were very visible and you knew who they were, where they worked and what they had going on because there weren't that many of us. And we were all kind of friends on social media. So Meg and I, I think we had a common friend. I don't even know what happened, but basically I think we became friends on Facebook. I think so. Yeah, I think that was right. Maybe not even Instagram because that wasn't even like really happening. Maybe it was happening, but not it like was all, on the, it was on the precipice. Yeah, for sure. it was happening, but there weren't like influencers or anything like that yet. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure it was probably like we became friends because we were like co-lady brewers across yeah. the country. And then what even happened from there? Did I hit on you first or did you hit on me first? You or what definitely happened? hit on me first. <laughs> what did I say? Who made the first I, move? <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll jump in here. Like I kind of, from my perspective, I was like, it was out of the blue. I was like, I, I had no idea that anyone would actually want to approach me to dance. You know, Sadie Hawkins. Sadie, I was going to say Sadie Hawkins style. This was Sadie Hawkins go. style. It's getting asked to dance. You know, because I think starting in an era where there weren't that many female brewers, that, like, you know, I think there was a general respect when we did find another female brewer because we're like, yes, One you probably us. do with One the same shit us. that I do. So let's, 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 let's just like at least connect and like know what each other's doing. And if we like see something, let's like give a, give a heart 
on that post totally. you know, or like whatever i don't think they were even hearts yet i think it was still I definitely up. was not hearts but likes only. Yeah. <laughs> but there was always OG that general Facebook. support and knowledge of who each other was because you know like i'm like i can kind of count how many female brewers i knew on one hand or maybe two hands at that point too but yeah um, let alone your your city your state across the country like Everyone kind of had a, a tie-in to what was going on. Yeah. Right near to the ground, at least. Yeah, and I, I think that's really cool. And, yeah, I remember you approached me and just being like, because I think CBC was coming up in oh, Philadelphia. Okay, so, oh, all right, reverse. I've got some memories now. So, um, <laughs> I was on a tear for um, traveling around the country and brewing with yes. other lady brewers. And This is what I would love for yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I... Brew in Oregon and had at the time also. And um, I had been all over the place. One of the coolest places I went to brew was Alaska with some other lady brewers. And um, the Craft Brewers Conference was coming up and it was going to be in Philly. So I contacted Meg and I said, Hi, I know that you're not in Philly, but do you want to make a beer together so that we can have something available during CBC? And then I flew out a couple, like a month before or something like that. We brewed a beer and um, then it was a pain in the ass to get our beer on tap during CBC. But I guess the, the, mo- the main point was that we got together in the spirit of education and further learning and finding cohorts in the industry. And uh, that's what our official first Lady Brewer date was. Yeah, no, I, I love I love our first experience together. I really do. It was like because we didn't know each other, and I was like, "Yo, can I stay in your I, house I, when we brew a beer?" And, and you're like, and I "Fuck feel like yeah!" You're like, "Yeah, you know, I, this is a female brewer in Pennsylvania. Let's fucking do this." But I'm like, I really don't distribute at my brewery. And, it don't matter. Um, I definitely don't go to Philly. But let's figure we're it out. Figure out how to make this happen. And I think, like, when you asked, my initial thought was as well that I was like. I just want to work with other people. I, yep. I always have looked collaborating at, in general. is just amazing. Yes. Yes. Like I've always looked at it that like I go into any experience, I learned something mm-hmm. and I know I did that with you and I thought it was amazing and exciting. So you came and brewed with us for a week you hung out for a weekend and mm-hmm. we bopped around and you got to meet, you got to hang out with Bruce. You gave me your car and Bruce and I went <laughs> all around. Well, also I think let's give you props that like, okay, that time my car was standard and you, Oh, I only yeah, drive standard. Exactly. So my car right now is like the first automatic that I've ever had. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll give you my car. No problem. And you're like, I was like, but it's a, it's a stick shift. And you're like, yeah, I was no. like, yeah, what bitch? And, <laughs> um, and you got to hang out with Bruce Wayne all day. And when I got home, I found the cover to your shifter in my pocket. Oh my God. I might <laughs> still hilarious. have it somewhere. Um, you keep it as a souvenir. I know it. I honestly might have it. I'm trying to think if I can picture where it is <laughs> in a my shit. shrine somewhere in this. Probably. <laughs> but, I always, but I always love first impressions. Let's talk about this. You picked me up from the fucking airport and we got in the car and then we went and ate... We, you like took me to a cool restaurant and we went and drank beer and we hung those out. Are, those are our experiences. What is your first, what was your first impression of me? And I'll, I'll tell you what mine was. Um, I was like, yeah, she's not weird. <laughs> I mean, or I mean, online dating can be weird. I mean, I have no experience. Well, I like with literally it, yeah. flew across the country to <laughs> get picked up by you. And then we hung out and then I stayed at your house. So like, think, I mean, this is not something I would do with a man. Let's just say that real fucking quick. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the allyship was already there and we mm. had talked a lot about the recipe that we were brewing and it was really fun for us to collaborate, have someone else, you know, in the mix with what we were doing. And my first impression of you was that you were really hardworking. And I mean, I know that like, Working at Rock Bottom was a challenge for a lot of different reasons, but I think that up front, maybe people will initially disqualify you because you work for a larger company. And then I saw this person who was making really cool, unique beers, which is something we made a um, rice saison that mm-hmm. part of it got with um, tea, with that tea, tea. Mm-hmm. and then part of it got aged in a gin barrel. And 
I mean, what other rock bottom locations have the guts to make something weird and wild like that? Because I think that you're expected for a lot of different reasons to make things that are just approachable. And I was really impressed by the way that you were willing to challenge the system and risk a lot for just making a little beer like that. I know for some people it seems like part of the game, but the approach that it takes to be able to accomplish a beer like that, let alone just even brew it is kind of a big deal. And that yeah, was, I'm, that was I'm my so, impression. Oh my gosh. I feel <laughs> oh like God, you're kind of cool. I just feel like a little gushy and I'm definitely working on taking compliments better in general, but no, I, that that's awesome. I'm glad that that was your perspective because for me, I was like, and especially at that point in my life, like who I was, I'm like intimidated by everyone. And especially when I have this perception that like, I feel like maybe they're bold enough to approach me. What the fuck? It's like, like false that, confidence. Like I look it, like I'm cooler than I am, but I'm just like really <laughs> fucking inside. I'm like, <gasps> but it, but it, I think that lives there. It lives mm-hmm. there. It exists. It totally yep. exists. And I love that. And that was like what I took into it. I was like, well, I'm really intimidated, but if this chick thinks she wants to work with me, that's so fucking cool. And I'm <laughs> going to learn and suck as much knowledge out her Aww. as possible. And I have, and I was like, I don't know shit about shit, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I have subsequently done that over and I'm like, I, I mean, we help. both do that to each other yeah, constantly, no, personally, cool. professionally. Yeah. No. And that's what I love about it. It's kind of funny that we've like, I don't, I mean, I don't speak for both of us, but you have automatically kind of like rotated into my inner orbit to a pretty serious degree, which God, I love you. (laughs) I mean, I think we rely, I rely on you a lot for both like professional and personal outlooks and perspectives and, uh, have altered my view because of the conversations that we've had a lot. And it all came from me being weird on the internet but not creepy weird just I, sweet weird i know i love it so much because again we even touched on it earlier so we've already been drinking so i mean granted i'm a drunk i'm yeah, what, did, what did we call that drinky drinky i'm not even like all <laughs> the way drinky I'm not, yet I'm not, but yeah, I'm not drinky yet either but i'm, I'm we had like, a good pause there so it was you know you can marinate <laughs> if i hadn't bit, eaten anything fine. yet we would be drinky but yeah, we're like drinky definitely carb loading on this trip yeah. i've like um, no I'm going to, I'm going to do fine. a side story here and talk about the last time that I visited Oregon when I barfed I, on myself in my car and you forgot about it. That was the time before that. Oh yeah. That was two times ago. <laughs> that was two times ago. <laughs> no, the last time I posted up at Wayfinder mm-hmm. and just drank all afternoon because yeah. I had nothing to it was do probably until great, people though. showed up. Yep. And then we just kept drinking. Me, you, and uh, Shelby went to another bar. And then I went to another bar. Yep. And I got too drunk to exist. It happens. I mean, especially on vacation. Yeah. No. So I'm like super sensitive. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm carb loading. I want to get drunk, but I don't want to get drunk. Um, We're chilling. But no, um, I love that because I, I feel like I feel the same way that like we talked about earlier tonight at Wayfinder. See, I always again, up, here I always, we go full circle. I know. I always end up there. Um, that like, it's hard to make friends like in your thirties. Granted, I think we both met when we were twenties, but even when you get older, it's hard to like really find and extend that trust to someone else. But I think like, we're also just like so set in our ways where I'm not trying yeah. to like go, hi, what is your family? Like what, <laughs> what is your <laughs> middle name? Oh, Actually, I am like that. I meet someone. I'm like, Hmm, what's your middle name? Is that from your mother's side or your father's side? Where did that come from? They're you like, start, it's you just start handing people questionnaires well like, they're like the like will you be my like friend please answer three or these four questions before i start asking you about childhood <laughs> trauma but it's pretty oh i'm there. in it i'm like it's who, pretty up there who are your ghosts and you're like <laughs> what's your stance on ghosts <laughs> but like we need to know like this. what are your ghosts could that be yourself like the the yes. i mean what's the shit that's just hovering there that no one else can see but you know is there i really want to come up with a better name and term for it because i always talk to people about it as like their shit i'm like mm-hmm. what's your shit your cat's your shit ghost right now yeah that's my shit right now he's it's like um, a love bite no, it's, it's adorable it's, 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 it's forgiven no but I, I i like i literally just describe it i'm like because there's no other word i have for it and i really would love you know maybe it, we, i could just call it ghost but i want to come up with something a little bit more clever so maybe it'll develop over time it'll happen but um um, I, yeah, it's like, I want to know, like, what makes you who you are? And that comes along with, how did you fucking get raised? 
Um, what did you deal with when you were a kid and teenager and in your 20s that now makes you a 30-year-old who is fucked up? Because guess what? That's me. Yeah, that's same, you. Same, that's same, you. Same. You know, like we, we all have, but we kids. have similar, different, fucked up versions of yeah. ourselves. So yeah, yeah. And I think like the more we look inward and like start really diving into all that shit, is when like we start having these epiphanies, which is why you and I have. I was going to say that's why we. That's why it's happening, and why I think you and I connect. We're like, hi, it's uh, ten a.m. on Tuesday. Can I tell you my current existential crisis? <laughs> and you're like, I'm at work, but yes, um, <laughs> you're like. I'm talking to th- to you through my Apple I I or Apple Watch. Here. Sorry if this text gets wild. I said it through Siri. Um, <laughs> it's usually pretty good, by the way. I mean, <laughs> if it's through Siri, then the spelling is more accurate. But if it's me, it's like same wild but Maybe less dramatically. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, mm. yeah. no, but I, I think I've, I've definitely appreciated it, and I, I hope maybe we even dive into some of that stuff. Oh, we're gonna. Let's just. I am pulling random questions because I definitely don't. I, I don't want it to be like a question answer type podcast, but like, um, I want to start asking the questions so we start probing and start diving into oh, stuff, boy. but, um. One of these things that I think oftentimes creates this like weird imposter syndrome. We yeah. all know that word. We all know that word if you have any sort of thought about going into self-help type fucking topics. And I hate that word too. But like, what do you feel like? Just like self-evaluation in general. Yeah. I And I like it like that. And I definitely feel like cautiously optimistic and like I'm very cautious about what I intake. The moment someone's just like too positive, I'm like, what are you hiding you're from not, me? You're not. You're not a real human being. Like I would rather have someone like tell me their shit mm-hmm. and be straight with me. And that's. Mm-hmm. And I know you've called me out on some stuff that I'm like, holy shit. Oh my it's god. That, it's that bullshit perfume. I don't like yeah, that. Nature, cover like, up all the shit. No, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like a fart dancing <laughs> yeah. perfume. perfume. Yeah. Now, like yeah. It. it is. It is. Can we now just smell imposter smells- syndrome bullshit perfume? <laughs> and, that's true. And we're gonna come up with our whole new like, Beef, like I have a lot of I have a lot of wholesome names for things. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So what I was curious though is like I feel like, you know, given all of our experience and all the things we go through. Oftentimes, I feel like we can be misrepresented as like female brewers, which again, I don't like having to add that to the front of our job titles. But like, what do you feel like is the most um, misunderstood about you as a person? Or maybe we can even dive into specifically as a as a brewer. Yeah. um, Here we fucking go. So my entire life, I've dealt with, you know, my approach to situations, my tone of voice, my gentleness. I've never been gentle. I've never had like a kind tone. So Ooh, I'm intense. I'm already intrigued by this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm already ready for it. I mean, yeah, like you don't smile enough. That bullshit. It's like that, yeah. but with my voice yeah. and, um, man, let's fucking reverse it a little bit even. So, um, I feel like all of my life I've been told that I kind of step into like leadership positions, not in like any shitty way, just more like I'm intense and I like to be in control of things. And, um, I step in, like if we're, if someone's like, I don't know, what are we going to do? What are we doing? Like, all right, look, evaluate the situation. I realize no one else is going to do anything. And I'm like, cool, I can step up. So I step up, help make decisions and go from there. And I think that I learned to be decisive and make decisions like that, and from that, it went from me making decisions to being intense and hurting people's feelings. So I've had to like try to figure out what that means between, um, sorry to interrupt, but like, are you internalizing people's then responses to you? Is that like what's going I've on? I've literally had everyone like my whole life, whether it's job in, in, um, interviews or just like coexisting with people in jobs, people have told me that I like need to watch my tone and, um, <laughs> that I come off passive aggressive and I know that like when I'm uncomfortable, people think I'm passive aggressive, but to me it's like the difference between like coming across really confident or coming off, um, (laughs) passive aggressive. And so I'll just be short with someone, but I'm like really intense. I'm not going to flirt with you. When someone asks me a question, I just say yes, no. And then people are very uncomfortable by that or, um, being misunderstood, being misunderstood. So I have struggled with figuring out how to have my voice and 
deal with how other people perceive me. And then within that, like reining in the power that I feel like I have and um, harnessing it into productive ways. So I often feel misunderstood by my intensity being bitchiness or my intensity being like incorrect tone of voice. And I think to some degree, it's important to be able to read the room and know how to deal with the people that you're working with. Um, But it's also important to be able to say no and tell people... This is, a, this is a sort of a wild answer. I'm going in all sorts of different no, I directions. I have places like, we're going to go with it. Okay. I already do. Um, but I guess I, I often feel misunderstood when I feel passionate about something and it is taken as an incorrect tone of voice or angry or something like that. When I often see my coworkers behave more irrationally and I feel direct or intensely about something and... I don't know. There's like all sorts of things in and woven in and out of that. But that was a... I really want to dive into this because I heard at least two things that I want to touch on. So Mm -hmm. this past week, I had an interview for a different um, show that I'm working on with Ren Navarro. And so like leading up to planning for the episode, I was like looking at listening to other um, podcasts she's been on and like reading her interviews and shit like that. But her and I dove into talking about the idea of having to be subtle or like coddle people in a way that because as a female, let's talk about this, let's bring this as a factor because I think intersectionality is like, it has to be continuously brought up in every conversation is that, okay, we're talking about just people, but now we're breaking down into say, however you identify, whether that's male, female, or non-binary or another version of that. Um, there are certain expectations that are defined for us as people. And I think it's bullshit. And I think like what I hear in this is that like something that I've experienced as well is where when I've tried to go into situations with people, I've always tried to like purposefully have like a nicer tone or be conscious about how my words are fucking. I mean, you're you're just talking together. about the putting the explanation point on the end of a statement to make it positive instead right. of just sending the period and just getting on with it. Right. And I hear from you, it's just like I feel like from what I hear from you is that maybe there could be some internalization about like if people are taking what you're saying incorrectly, but like thinking that it's somehow now your fault or your problem that you have to solve that they interpreted your shit wrong. I feel like I've experienced that. And I like, I still think it's kind of bullshit. So the conversation with Ren though, is that like talking about a uh, black female queer woman, I'm just saying female and woman at the same time, which Mm -hmm. is silly. But um, like, she felt like when she had to approach the idea, when people were talking about like racial issues or whatever, that she had to like sugarcoat it or be nice about it or coddle people and it didn't work like nothing because you're not being like direct enough so then you're not actually getting the right but and i think like sometimes we're conditioned that like granted you kind of like bypass that and said like i'm not conditioned to do this i'm gonna be what i'm doing so like i I ultimately was like validated the fact that like i think that's as interesting that like people will misunderstand you because of just your tone and i don't think that's something that like ever should be changed because no matter what, like we, as people, like we can't control how someone reacts to what we say. Um, granted, I, we also mentioned in a different conversation, we'll bring up here is that like, we always have like different ways we can take a conversation. Yeah. And I heard exactly what you're saying and use the word manipulate, but like manipulate that has a has negative a, connotation. Yeah, exactly. And, but I've experienced that and I've like talked to other people about it is like, no, but you know how someone's going to respond to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know that someone's going to be shitty if you aren't saying things a certain way. Yeah. And I just, I literally just had a situation at work that was like this, where there was a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of miscommunication and also mishearing of how the tone was. And it fucking blew up and had to come down to a conversation where I'm like, I recognize me personally. This is just me speaking for me when I go into certain situations, like my tone changes, like when I'm talking to friends and I'm just having fun, you might hear my tone change from like this really like higher octave to where, how we're talking now. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes even the way I'm talking now is how I approach like my 
the BOP, the board of director, brewers of PA, like board calls, like where I'm like, I know when I'm in a serious manner, I want to be taken seriously. I want people to listen to me that I, you might not hear my voice fluctuate as it sounds much. like the patriarchy to me, but I hear what you're saying. Um, <laughs> yep. 110%. Um, but yeah, and that's how I respond. So when I was in this other conversation with this argument I had at work that the situation came up, I got that tone with him. I got this like very, I'm being straightforward with you. I'm telling you what's going on. And he completely didn't misheard it <laughs> because he was like, there was other situations around it. And that tone turned what I said up on its own. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you like a story that seems like fairly similar to that. So recently, so I run a research and development program outside of our main production facility. And the way that it works is we order all of our bulk ingredients to the production facility. And then we have delivery drivers from the production facility to the individual pubs. And I work with this person who I like a lot on a personal level. I think he is very interesting. We have really great conversations, but we definitely um, butt heads in the professional environment, professional environment. And um, recently I was out of town and I got stuck out of town, stuck in a snowstorm, finally made it into town, got to the airport super early drove from the airport to work or excuse me, to home, let out my dog, changed in my car hearts, drove to work. And I got there and none of the stuff that I had ordered was there. And I was like, fuck, what happened? Was the snowstorm? I wasn't here. Was the delivery not able to get here because of the snowstorm? So I contacted my boss and I said, Hey, were the deliveries not happening because of the snowstorm? And he's like, no, they should be there. And I was like, Hmm, this is really frustrating that I wasn't contacted. None of the stuff is here. What's going on? I then contact someone in the warehouse, the manager, he doesn't answer his phone. So I call the next person that's there on the list. And I was like, Hey, um, also I was pissed at this point. So my boss was like, don't go in hot. And I was like, cool, Natalie, don't go in hot. So I go into the situation and I'm like, Hey, what happened? Why isn't the stuff here? And he was like, well, you didn't fill out any of the paperwork. And I was like, excuse me, what? And he was like, none of the paperwork is filled out. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's just incorrect. If you'd like me to go through the um, document history, I could tell you when I put the information into the document. And he was like, what? You're just getting pissed at me. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not getting pissed at you. I'm just like, you just told me I didn't do my job. And I did do my job. So I just, I, I would like to know what you think I didn't do because it's filled out in these four different documents. And at that point he started getting upset and then I got upset and I was like confused why it was elevated because he told me I didn't do my job. I had done my job. I have digital proof that I had done my job. Not that I fucking need that because I did my goddamn job. But in that situation, it turned into a, it, it turned into an event where it wasn't focused on this other person doing their job. It turned into the way that I had dealt with the situation, and both it went both ways. I came in doing exactly what I was doing or that I was supposed to do in a tone that was authoritative, but not in a shitty way. And then I got pissed. So I did both things. I did the good way, and then I got pissed. And so it's like, I don't know. Like I said, I did both sides of it, and then it skewed the situation from being the other person making an error to me not talking to someone properly. And I see why it went from something that I could have completely controlled to something that got completely skewed. And it was frustrating to me that I even had to fucking have the conversation because if someone doesn't do their job, why is that my goddamn problem? Right. But you got to be nice to people. And I get that. And um, so point being, you can be straightforward with people, but you also have to be kind. Yeah. That kind of indirectly answers your question. Yeah, no, I think that was a great response. Um, I think it was a lot for me and I think other people to think about too, especially in their own situations where like what is their work dynamic you know i you know it makes me reflect even instantly on my own report something if something happens to your boss is are they going to have your back um do you trust that you work in an environment that isn't going to be toxic do you feel like the people that your boss is going to hire is going to fit into that environment i think like um like through my experience in like moving from brewer position to like head brewer and now production manager where I'm constantly managing people. Um, I think like something that always stands out to me 
and like I, I take so much responsibility for other people and like I think sometimes even think about like my employees as like my kids in, in, a, in a certain respect obviously I don't have kids so like just more like you're looking yeah. out for people's best interests right yeah like I feel like no matter what if like there if there's something goes wrong with them like I will be impacted I will emotionally feel it but um and I don't know if I see that all the time in, uh, in management. I think a lot of times it becomes this authoritarian type situation where people don't necessarily. And, and I think that really is where it divides like maybe a good manager versus bad manager. I'm not here sitting here toting myself saying I'm a good manager, but like, I think like having the consideration where if you have the back of your employees, you ensure that they're safe and that you're creating the environment for them to do the job the best they can creating the tools and and i think that also comes into being open to constantly learning because no one's perfect no one is going to get it right every single time i don't even know if i have an example of like a, a business that is really 110 doing it right There's yeah always well that's not real but yeah but I see, I see a lot of breweries that are in breweries and other businesses that do it well. And People they, are trying, they, yeah. And it, it always becomes back to employee focus and making sure that your employees are happy. They have what they need. They're not feeling like they have to pick up slack for other people. But also, I think even getting on the nitty gritty and talking about experiences, and it starts in the interview process. And I think like if people take away from like what you just said too, is like being very attuned to that dynamic and, and trusting your instincts on like, how do I feel? How, what did I walk away with from this interview? Did I feel comfortable speaking to this person? Did I feel comfortable being able to ask them the questions that I needed to know, like I wanted to know, um, and knowing that they're not going to misjudge you? Yeah. I think there's two different things that you said there that are important. I think as the employee or the job seeker, you have to remember that you are also interviewing the employer. Yes. Because obviously we all need a job. We all need money and there is hype and accolades associated with certain breweries and working with certain people. But you also have to remember that if you're not setting yourself up for success by working with people that you feel comfortable with, if you get red flag, it's, I mean, you're, you're dating again, bringing it back to dating. But if you talk to people that you're working, like you, you just have to choose where you or how you spend your time. And part of your time is work and you need to interview those people the same way they're interviewing you. And the second part is hopefully your, higher ups, the people who are doing the hiring are interviewing people to fit in with the team and obviously, um, work history and validity for the job that's available is really important. But sometimes you hire the person that's going to fit the best in the team and you train them up. Yeah. Uh, so what you just said there too, that is going to bring me to the other thing from our original, like what brought us to this place is that in talking about you interviewing, what I feel like I often hear from people and see people like, or people I know that I'm close to is that they're not interviewing the employer. They're looking at it as like this one way transaction. And oftentimes I feel like there's like that. Maybe it's just like a dynamic that exists that somehow you have to prove yourself versus knowing go having the confidence to go into that interview and say i also have a decision to make here that i think oftentimes it, you can find that in relationships you can find that in just your friendships you can find that in being in a situation that you don't like is that you always kind of have a choice to walk away granted i'm sure there there's always exceptions in saying that like maybe you just don't feel safe in that situation yeah it's blah, complicated blah, blah. So, yeah so it is complicated but what i I would love to see more people is have that confidence to say, I, I need to know that you're going to have my back and I can go in and say, even if you offer me the job, even if I'm desperate for this job, that if I don't feel safe, I don't feel like I get what I, it's like almost this like value proposition of sorts that if I'm not getting out what I'm putting in, I'm out. Well, I mean, even less complicated than that, or I guess, so think about, I don't know if you remember this, but 
I remember being younger and being like, you have to shave your legs or you have to wear this kind of makeup or you have to act like this. Or I remember being in like college or something and a guy like picking me up for a date and someone's like, make sure you order this kind of food so that you don't have like food on your face and Mm. do all these things. And like, be agreeable. Obviously we're not in the 1950s, but I think that there's like some, um, sort of interviewing with someone. You're not just trying to impress them by things that you think that they, they want you to be in that position. But I mean, I think to some degree, you don't even really necessarily fully know what you can offer someone Mm. until you're in the situation. Like I feel like when I was stepping into the position that I'm in, I got hired on as a production brewer and I had had a previous job where I had like full creativity and I was really nervous to step away from the position that I was in and whatever. The point that I'm making is don't be the person you think that they want you to be because Mm -hmm. that's what you think that they want. I think that like, if you don't get the job because you, they don't think you fit, that's okay. That's probably better for you. Yeah. And don't, don't be the person they want you to be. And I mean, there's obviously like when you're interviewing and you need a job and you can like plug and play in something and you're okay with that, that's different. But also if you want to work with a company and you want to be there for a long time, be honest about your intentions and what you want and who you are and how you deal with problems and what sort of solutions you want them to help you get to or what sort of professional and personal growth that you need. Don't just eat the fucking salad so you don't get ketchup on your face or something, you know? that's a saying but i want it to but you know saying. what i mean because like yeah, i'm, I'm no. trying to remember what the meal I, I was that people have... told me not to eat when i was on a date but i feel like it you shouldn't eat sure. a burger but I i'm definitely... gonna eat the fucking burger no okay i'm gonna put aside we're gonna come back to the thing that i initially was trying to get at and talk and bring up this perfectionism thing to you but like what you're hitting on too is like Sorry, i keep putting everything like authentic astray. self thing like I, I i totally feel that i and i feel like the more I really try to like let my real self make sure it's like constantly at play and not be anxious about how I'm perceived by people or like worried that the way I'm going to say something or even worried that like, because I give someone my attention and I say something or maybe I talk to them too much or I give them like, I don't, I don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like say, when you're, you, say you're like you kind of into someone and you're like, Oh, I'm going to text them every day or whatever. And then you're like, Oh God, they're not texting me back. Or, Oh my God. Like, Oh, did I say the right thing? And they're not responding. Right. You know, like, I feel like again, it can, this, this is just one slide example, but like, I think like being able to go in and be clear on what you can just offer on the base level and obviously find other things you're able to offer them, which is clearly what you did. And like, um, offer them more and you're able to find your right fitting. I didn't offer much, but I really showed up. (laughs) I think you offer so much. (laughs) Um, I, I, but I, I really, really, really think that like, again, the whole idea of this whole podcast is to really try to deep dive into like, who the fuck you're, I'd rather have people walk away being like, I want to know who I am. I mean, all that and stuff is so really that, uncomfortable. It is. It's so uncomfortable. You're vulnerable and you're just like a fucking raw nerve blown in the wind, real but naked. The moment, but the moment you're able to like walk into an interview and say, this is who I am and be able to say, I actually don't think that this is the right fit. Holy shit. But also I will say if you want the job, you should send a follow-up email because they love that shit. (laughs) Thank you letter. Even (laughs) definitely learn that one in business school. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Handwritten cursive. Let's do this. Be yourself, but be fucking good at it anymore. I'm I'm actually pretty good at cursive. Shit. Uh, I'm not trying to skew from your point, but I guess like all I'm saying is there's there's a way to do things there's a way to be authentic and there's way to like fit into the mold in a way that like is okay and there's a way to um but i think it always makes sense though when you're like clear on yourself and what you're doing is really yeah don't get yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in from the beginning whether that's dating or your job or literally anything yeah um so I really want to hit on this other point because you and I have talked about it a lot and I deal with it. You deal with it. I think Shannon deals with it is about, you talked about 
taking control of situations because no one else stepped up. And you know where I'm going with this because I feel like when we learn those behaviors and I definitely, when the moment you said it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I definitely did that as a kid. I'm like, you know, it was almost even this like uncomfortable, awkward moment where no one stepped up. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll just, I'll just do it. But what it manifests itself out is like, you know, us 30 year olds here, like is we do that in other ways. We do it in work. We do it in our personal lives. Yep. And it's so fucking unhealthy. I'm like, I literally got divorced as this being one of the root causes that I go into caretaker mode and, but I love, and I would like to talk a little bit more about, but that also could be on that and like maybe man, how it meant, how in your mind it manifests and maybe your perspective on it. I think that over the last year, this is all like my perspective on everything has shifted a lot because I mean, before the pandemic happened, I feel like I had a lot of momentum in a lot of different ways in my life, whether that was working on projects with people all over Portland, all over the country, whether it was something to do with art, design, beer, the water bureau, literally anything. There was just so much momentum. Everyone was doing so many things, um, projects, raising money, fun projects, whatever it was. I feel like there was just like so much stuff going on. And then as the pandemic hit, everyone, you know, people hit the brakes and everything stopped. And then being able to get back into work and starting over again and just the way like for example, like my job ceased to exist when the pandemic happened because we literally went from making beer that was creative and inspiring and we could literally sell anywhere because we had the back of our big brewery to carry the weight of all of those small projects. And when I took a step back and just plugged and played into the production brewery, it made me like not really even know like what direction I was going or what I wanted to do. It's just like really weird. I got into a really comfortable, complacent place. And that was something that I'm not comfortable with because it's not something that I had ever done before because I always step into the role of let's do this. Let's keep going. I'm going to do this project. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to get there, whether that is extra work, extra hours, extra, like whatever it is, I'll fucking do it. And, um, recently like taking the step back and figuring out what it's like not to be that person has been really interesting to me because I didn't have the time, the space, the money, the support to do that because it literally wasn't available. And I think like watching what it's like to, or feeling what it's like to sit in like sort of complacency makes it so much more appealing to be in a situation where you have the ability to run with something and take control of it and, and maybe compensate for other people's shortcomings. Um, so I think like my perspective on it has definitely skewed. Um, so I don't know if I just took this in a complete different direction than you were wanting, but I guess what I'm saying is I'm constantly changing. And now that I see both perspectives and both sides of it, I still am more interested in, in running stuff and being in charge, but I'm getting better at sharing the responsibility of what it looks like going forward because I took a step back and stepping back into full speed ahead. Like I just, I can't do that anymore. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I'm a little bit processing this too, because you definitely hit the head. Like, I did, we definitely ran in this a different direction than I, than I thought, <laughs> which is fine. No, I, I like what you had to say. And I think, though, in maybe the question is like, where is the line, though, where you feel like compensating for someone's shortcomings will like put you in a position to be in an unhealthy state? I think when you're going full steam ahead and you don't know what the other side looks like, you know that if it doesn't get done, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. And I think coming back from slow motion to full speed ahead, I know what I can and can't deal with anymore. And my boundaries are set a little bit differently. So I see that I can do all those things. And sometimes 
you get a hundred percent of me and sometimes it's not a hundred percent. And I want it to be quality and representative of my ethos. So if that means showing people that I need help and telling people how to do that, that's mm-hmm. something that I'm comfortable doing at this point because I don't know, I guess I haven't been in, I haven't been in the situation where I have the perspective of needing support and not being able to keep up with it just because we haven't been busy enough again for me to like, you know, I haven't been in a situation where I've expected someone to do something and they haven't completed it in a time frame. Mm -hmm. But I imagine as everything kind of clicks back into normal, I'll come into those situations again and probably carry the weight of that. Or, you know, hopefully like in my situation at work, we're creating a slightly bigger team so that we can have like a solid base of how to deal with situations and do all sorts of work ahead of time to be able to prepare for the difficult situations. And hopefully, um, so it's a lot of trust. It's a lot of trust. And you know, this goes back to trusting yourself too. I think, I mean, (laughs) I think that there's a couple different ways you can look at it. And one side is you can do all the work. And if it doesn't work, then, then you, you know that you fucked up or the other side of it is, you know, your bandwidth and you share the weight with other people. And if they, they can't keep up, then you're showing that the system isn't working. Mm, and I love, I love that. I think no matter, even though we didn't go in the direction I wanted to, but it's just really fine. Sorry. And I will probably cut this out. No, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm actually, I think happier with this too. Cause I think like we definitely, I was going to say that I think what you have to say is very, I think people can internalize that and interpret it to every other thing that I wanted to hit on. You know what I mean? Like, Everything you just said, though, is like knowing your bandwidth and knowing where you need to set your boundaries is ultimately the end goal where it needs to stop. Whether you're talking about your job, whether you're talking about your relationship, whether you're talking about friends, whether you're talking about just your budget. Yeah. (laughs) Where are you talking about your budget? Let's talk finances. Yeah, literally anything. I think that like it's it's uncomfortable and it's messy because you think that you can do everything. And obviously you can, you're fine. You can figure everything out, but it's nice. We're talking today about community and Mm -hmm. you know, your car breaks down. Hopefully you can pull over to the side of the road. What do you do? Do you deal with it yourself? Do you call AAA? Do you call your partner? Do you call one of your friends? Like what happens? And I think that you're an adult, you can figure it out. You don't really need someone else, but how efficiently is the problem going to be resolved when you have support, whether that is triple a, your partner, whatever the fuck it is. And you can almost design your life around being able to know what that is. I think you don't want a car because you don't want to call someone cool. (laughs) Fine. Everyone get rid of your cars. (laughs) Everyone. But seriously, let's reduce pollution. Um, No, no, I think I think it's totally right, and um, I'm I'm very stoked with everything. But is that like a weird uh, lack of trust for people? Maybe, but yeah. I I think that it's okay to, like I said, it's something that I've realized a lot in the last year. I feel like I was pedal to the metal. I wanted to do everything by myself. I wanted to have the pride in the work that I completed, and I'm realizing more and more that the people that I am surrounded by are capable, intelligent, and really, really great and are creative in ways that I am not. And I don't need to rely on them for everything, but I am also fully comfortable with figuring out ways to incorporate them into my day-to-day life to make things better and stronger. And sometimes that doesn't work, but a lot of times if you have the right situations and train people and set up clear expectations, Mm -hmm. then... People either meet them and they don't, and they stay in your life, or they don't. I love it. I love every ounce of it. I really do. Everything's great. I'm going to switch gears here. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to pull another question out of the hat. And I'm curious, like, when we're talking about just all these ways, like, even keeping ourselves motivated and, like, being able to be conscious about, like, where boundaries are and, like, what we're capable of do, but, like, what is that? What, like, I guess it'll be either, you can answer either or like, what is something that kind of keeps you motivated in your job? Or maybe like, what do you find like specific inspiration from anything specific in your life? So 
I've actually done a lot of reading about like creative people and how they stay creative and how they focus. Mm, And it's really interesting because it's really hard to be creative and stop and be creative and start and be like, it's the, the stop start of it is really difficult for a lot of different people. And also if you're really creative in your professional life, it's hard to be creative in your personal life or with your friends, um, Mm -hmm. relationship, whatever. So I definitely find that it's sometimes hard for me to balance the, it's it's hard for me to balance a lot of stuff because if I'm focusing more on my personal life, then my pr- professional life definitely is less creative. And if my professional life, if I'm like jiving and I'm making all sorts of cool shit and I'm really focused, it's hard for me to refocus on my personal life or I can focus on it, but I'm just not like thriving in the same way. And I've definitely found balance between the two, but, um, the balance would be if I am really enjoying traveling or eating out or making something or a specific season feels like particularly inviting, then I find a lot of like creativity in those types of moments. Um, Mm -hmm. I find a lot of creativity in like eating and drinking and, uh, and little animals running around, running around doing all sorts of crazy things. But, uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, like I said, this last year has been weird. So my creativity is like my, my thing is like, I start writing recipes or I get really involved in something and I just like, go, go, go. And then when we were like closed down for COVID, then I would be like, I'd be like, why do I write all these fucking weird calculators? What does this even mean? What is math? And then, and then I plug back in and I have to like kind of refigure where I was going or what was going on. And, um, that's difficult for me, but yeah, I, I think like once I'm immersed in it and I'm like figuring out like where my boundaries are professionally and personally, then and I didn't directly answer your question, but I think creativity is harder than people think that it is. I, I think my other follow up question that, you know, it could be like a pretty running question or I'm just curious about if there's any particular habits that you put in place to kind of ensure that either you're keeping yourself in like a really good energy for yourself or, um, helps you maintain like the space so you can have creativity. Is there any sort of habits that like you have, whether it's like say a morning routine or literally just something you're like once a week, I fucking do this. Yeah. I'm curious. I have always had jobs where I work really early in the morning, whether that's like a barista or brewing or whatever. And I realized that I really like the mornings Mm. and that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to be at work in the morning. So I like to go to work at like nine or 10 AM. And so I either stay in bed and lounge or I get up and walk around and look at the sun and listen to the birds and check out flowers. And if I feel I'm like pretty bad about making breakfast, but I also like when I eat breakfast, um, that makes me feel good. Um, (laughs) but like when I wake up and feel like I have time before work to feel like a human, I feel Mm -hmm. really good. And that makes me feel like creative and happy and not like in some sort of like monotonous loop. And that's something that makes me feel like really alive. And that immediately feeds creativity. I love that. I genuinely do. And I, I, I'll share like a quick anecdote and I don't mean to turn this back around on me, but it's like, I think with like the class I'm taking through the American Brewers Guild, like I've had to alter my schedule where I'm used to, I mean, I love working in the morning though. I do. I genuinely, I kind of like love the quiet of it's working. It's so nice. Like my favorite is like 5am on a Sunday. I don't need to be at work, but when you wake up and you look around and like the birds are chirping and the sun's out and you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> In the summer, not in the winter. But. <laughs> yeah. But like, so with a class, I alter during the week that I would sometimes, I, I always get up at 4 a.m. pretty much almost every day during the week. And, but sometimes I'll like spend a couple hours doing classwork. But it, similarly to what you're talking about has made me think like, holy shit. Like, I feel like my time perception has altered by being like, oh, I don't need to be at work at 6 a.m. I could go to work at 8 nine, 10 o'clock in the morning yeah. and have, yeah, from 4am till that time I need to work, do whatever the fuck I want. Yep. You know, I think like sometimes is it before or after work, like 
you can you can spend those hours that you're not at work on either end and it can be great i find though um just from my perspective is that after work though i find that i have less motivation to i have no do motivation that. after work yeah. i just want to like eat snacks and go to bed yeah i'm like that's my time to either have dinner maybe do the dishes um probably not maybe have a drink real. with a friend or do something like that i like i um i'd heard this one person and like definitely resonated a lot with me it's just like it's, it's kind of nice to get shit out of the way in the morning because you never know what the day's going to throw at you and i have found that to be so accurate that i'm like there are it's like maybe an average of seven out of 10 times. If I try to plan to do something after work, that's maybe constructive. It's not going like, to happen. Whether it's working out or doing classwork, I'm like, I'm really tired today. Yeah. I had a bad day. I'm going to drink. Even though it's like making dinner, it. sometimes it's just hard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Natalie, we're hitting an hour and I have loved every ounce of this conversation. And I appreciate. I feel like we just dust, dusted the top of things. We did. I um, we will definitely come back because I feel like you and I have always had so much to talk about, and yeah. like can have so much more to talk about. Um, but so I guess I'll finish this out by being asking you: Is there anything you want to leave for our listeners? Which at this point it is zero, but hopefully after this episode, <laughs> that it's going to be a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know if this exactly makes sense, but I've been a human that always functions off of feelings. Like I'm definitely into logic, uh, but I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more comfortable and trust myself based off of like my feelings of situations. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously like a lot of different pieces coming together to give you like the word vibe makes me want to barf, but like, so yes, but like the way that you evaluate situations, you are using a lot of different tools to feel uncomfortable, safe, excited, whatever it is. And I think that I've gotten a lot better at like trusting myself. Mm. And when something feels good or feels off or feels like maybe I don't really know the full story and I'm maybe putting words in the mouth of the situation. Like, sure. Yeah. Creating um, stories. Oh my gosh. And that doesn't help me. So yeah, Mm. I've, I've definitely learned to pay attention to what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling and, uh, you know, make a decision based on that. Plus listen to what people have to say. I have, I'm, I'm slowly becoming a better version of myself and trying to learn, but also based off of emotion and I, and I like feelings and I like, I feel so much after that comment. Oh my God. I love you so much. Holy shit. No, I love that. That's literally so perfect in it and honestly like i mean knowing you i like not surprised that coming out of your mouth because no. <laughs> i think you're a brilliant person and um i appreciate you so much as a friend um is there anywhere you want to plug for people to check you out or do you want to say stay super cryptic which is totally fine and respectable boundaries we already talked about this but I mean, if you'd like anyone to check you out or follow your work i'm definitely the furthest thing from any sort of influencer mostly because I think influencers do so much more work than I am ever interested in putting in. So cheers to y'all because I'm not brave enough, nor do I have the bandwidth. It's Um, a lot of time and effort and work. So um, if you would like to see nothing related to any of this content and pictures of flowers in the Pacific Northwest. And maybe a naked cat. And maybe a naked and cat. A beautiful pit bull. My Instagram is nrbeer, but there's three E's instead of two in beer. And uh, yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time tonight. I really do. Um, I'm so happy we were able to connect, especially while I'm out here in Oregon and we're not doing this like virtually. Same. You know? Same thing, ah, same thing. So same. amazing.